I was right about the clean sheet last week on the Owls of Bearcast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. Back this week, I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and I was sitting in my local package store a couple days ago. I need to pick up a few staples that I was out of, a little gin, a little sweet vermouth, a little maraschino liqueur. I'm like, I'll get, a, I'll get a beer for the podcast. I had beer in the house, but I'm like, I will get a beer for the podcast. Like, what beer do I want that captures the feeling of another year of Wednesday football and a nil-nil draw away from Charlton? And then staring back at me in the single section, I saw it from Maine Beer Company in Freeport, Maine. Another one. Uh, it's an IPA. I think I've had it on the podcast before. Uh, one of my favorite IPAs. I'm a big IPA guy. 7%, which seems sufficient for a good but still annoying Sheffield Wednesday performance. So we'll see how it goes. It's quite nice. Uh, also, no stranger to the main beer company or disappointing Wednesday performances in Queens. It's James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Guess where I'm going next week? Mm. I'm going to Freeport, Maine on Sunday just to go and get more of the uh, of the main beer companies, uh, another one, and uh, lunch, and probably half a dozen other beers because it'll be fantastic. Tonight, though, um, I'm drinking uh, a Fifth Hammer Hailstrom, which is a Nordic-inspired lager. Um, I'm not quite sure what the Nordic inspiration is, but it's a nice kind of fancy, kind of firm-looking rock it on the front. Was it ten dollars a bottle? That would be. <laughs> it was. I think it was. It was a steal at only five dollars a can for a yeah. pack of four. Oh, um, about Scandinavian beers is incredibly expensive. Oh, exactly. Yeah, no, it, it was inspired by the Norwegian prices, so it's only a very small can. Um, but it's very nice. It's five percent lager. Kind of just tastes like a continental pilsner, to be honest. So it's a good summer drinking beer, ready for the return of football and a summer of fun in Sheffield Wednesday. Also ready for the return of football, and possibly, I'm going to guess. I've I've not been given any spoilers. A return to bourbon in Ohio. It's Evan Skelter. Evan, what are you drinking? So, first of all, I apologize. There's a cricket in my basement somewhere around here, and I cannot find it. So uh, occasionally throughout this podcast, you'll probably hear the sound of uh, basically Northwest Ohio. It's our anthem is the sound of a cricket at night. But um, you know what? I'm not drinking anything. I am actually eating some ice cream from the uh, from the local ice cream place called the Whippy Dip or Dairy Freeze. If you're a local, it's Whippy Dip. If you're not, it's Dairy Freeze. Long story there, but anyway, um, they have the best almond milk ice cream. That's almond swirl. So I've got some uh, chocolate and vanilla mixed together with uh, some cookie dough candy in there, and that is my. We'll call it drink of choice because it's it, we have a heat advisory in Northwest Ohio, and um, it's already halfway melted. I uh, I just have to remind you, Evan, and it's only you know one of these kind of public health advisory health warnings that the last time that somebody ate or drank anything called the whip on this podcast, <laughs> Paul Owen spent probably the greater part of the recording period sat somewhere that was not the chair that he was meant to be recording on. Um, so hopefully you'll make it all the way through. But um, if Paul's prestige is anything to go by, I fear for you. Well, it's the it's the low dairy option that keeps me away from the toilet. Um. That's why we go with the almond milk, so I can sit through this hour-long podcast. Well, we're off to a great start. <laughs> uh, but on this podcast, we will review the Charlton game. There is even more transfer window action to discuss. We'll answer some of your social questions. Settle a burning issue on Wednesday podcast Twitter and preview. 
cannot believe I am saying this, the Doncaster Rovers and Fleetwood Town games. We'll start with our Charlton review. And I'm, I'm piloting a new format for this segment. And it's thumbs up, thumbs down. So we just give one positive comment and one negative comment from the game or games from the previous week. Uh, I will go first with my, we'll do our thumbs ups first. Or thumbs, thumbs is up. I don't know how you would actually pluralize that. Uh, I was really impressed with Adoniran. I think he was the best player on the pitch for most of the game. I, I do want to give, you know, obviously Wednesday's defense led by Hutch and Iorfa did a great job. I thought Bailey Peacock Farrell acquitted himself well. He was very uh, commanding in the box. We'll, you know, we'll talk more about that because that's, that's Evan's thumbs up is, uh, <laughs> well, the defense and other things. But I really thought uh, Adoniran offered them something a little bit different, uh, especially in the first half. His ability to sort of freelance and take on his man allowed, you know, Bannon to sit back and pull the strings a little bit more and i thought when they struggled for the first 20 minutes or so of the second half it was because bannon was trying to do a little too much and adoniran was kind of getting uh relegated as it were in the midfield and sort of within the the midfield segment and the ball movement they're even kind of kind of uh skipping over him and trying to play deep balls out to the wings and stuff like that I'd like to see more of him. I'd like to see more of him sort of uh, being a commanding presence in the midfield. He's very good at winning a fouls, which I think will be a a useful skill as well, especially at this level. And it was just a very, uh, I thought of the new players, I thought several of them looked looked quite good. Uh, I thought he acquitted himself the best for me, James. I thought he did really well, yeah. Um, I mean, I think there were, there were plenty of positives from the new players, even as the team was beginning to gel. Um, my thumbs up, though. And by the way, Jeff, I really like this segment. This is like one of those corporate feedback sessions where you have to say something nice followed by something constructive. So let's stay with the nice theme for a second. Um, my big, big thumbs up is for the fans. So just like the <clears throat> the first five, ten minutes or so, I was listening. I wasn't able to see it. I didn't get down to the football factory in New York until the second half. And just the noise, the noise from 3,000 traveling Sheffield Wednesday fans compensating for 18 months of listening to the damn Stephen Fletcher song on Sky Sports Loop was, um, it was spine tingling. Like, I mean, it was just so good to hear the fans in the stadium and then later to see the pictures and that whole uh, stand behind the goal just packed, packed the gunnels. You know, a London away day, fans able to actually get together, be... um, be in the stadium, be around the stadium, be able to, you know, to enjoy a day out in London. It it felt really good just to hear it. I can only imagine how good it must have felt to be part of it. So, yeah, it just, it kind of, it felt like there was a little bit of the club back there because there's one thing for sure, Wednesday really are nothing without the fans behind them. Um, and it, I think it can make a difference. I was just happy we didn't have the piped in Stephen Fletcher song anymore. And there was no booing. Maybe next week. <laughs> Well, I do. I do think it was generally a, a positive atmosphere and, and a positive outcome. I know it's this isn't really a thumb up or thumb down. Well, maybe it is a thumb up. Um, just just the result, right? It, it was zero zero, which obviously we like to get a win. Jeff, you kind of you actually did correctly predict that zero zero draw. So props to you. But you know, overall, and you know, my thumb up is. 
I put two thirds of the pitch because Jeff said I couldn't take all, uh, defense and midfield, so I just switched it to two thirds <laughs> of the pitch. Um, I, I thought I thought we looked like a cohesive unit until the final third, but you know, at an iron, I had him written down for about six of my different points throughout my notes, <laughs> uh, my game notes. Um, man, you're absolutely right. I mean, he was. He was comfortable on the ball, moving it with himself. Uh, he he made some some good passes, and he was super smart. I mean, you can just tell he he understands um, he understands space. He understands how to draw fouls. Um, he kind of had a. I've been watching a lot of NBA basketball. He had a Trey Young type play where he he got around a guy, had him on his back, and just kind of mm-hmm. slowed up and, and absorbed the contact in the back, drew the foul that way. He's a really smart player, and. Um, I, I thought we linked really well through the midfield. There were times on on defense where, in seasons past, um, you know, one, one thing would go wrong and then it would just fall apart completely. But I thought there were times. I think Iorfa got beat one time, and um, we had odd numbers with Charlton in attack, and all of a sudden we had four or five guys <clears throat> sprinting back with hustle, and um, we just haven't seen that. You know, we haven't seen life in the club. And I just I thought we played really well. We hustled well, and um, I, th- I think it is a positive a positive result. Yeah, I think all in all, it is something they're going to have to deal with going forward. I think the way Charlton set up is the way most teams are going to set up against Wednesday this year. And it's just this is as I think I said after the first half, like that was a half of League One football. Like it just comes back to you where Charlton were, you know, this was a team that almost made the playoffs last year. And you can see why they're very well organized. They were reasonably dangerous sort of going or playing balls over the top. They were comfortable enough pressing Wednesday when they tried to play out of the back and weren't, they weren't really getting beat or, or, you know, giving up a sort of clear gaps in space there that Wednesday could exploit playing that way it's just they're they're not going to be easy games and they're needing they well i guess we'll stick with you they're going to need to be better in the final third and that was your thumbs down yeah ice cream just yeah sorry i'm in the midst of a big bite here but um i just don't i think i think we lacked creativity we lacked anyone that really seemed to have a nose for the goal and then i mean obviously patterson's injury early on hurts but um, I know you've already written Cam Berry down here. Yeah. I thought he kind of looked like a, a bull, bull in the china shop at times, right? Just kind of head down, not really an idea of what he wanted to do next. And I don't want to – it's almost unfair to him because he was probably not expecting to come in after 12 minutes. He wasn't warmed up. He wasn't – he hasn't really played uh, with, this, with these players. And it was just like a little bit off. Like he had opportunities – or he was his his run was a little mistimed and he was offside or he couldn't quite get the first touch on a on a good pass here and there from the midfield where he maybe could have like broken three into like a one on one or a or a clear scoring opportunity. But I just like watching him I don't and again, not entirely fair. I'm not sure what he does well as a striker. He did not seem particularly strong on the ball, he did not seem particularly fast, and he did not seem particularly uh creative or clever within his feet so uh we, we still are not good on set pieces so i don't know if he's any good in the air or not but <laughs> i just uh yeah, i'm a little worried about where the 
where the goals are going to come from. And again, Patterson seems thankfully like he's all right. I assume he's going to be down for at least this week's games, uh, if not if not further beyond that, depending on how he comes through concussion protocols and all those things. And they're going to have to figure out uh, a way or, or someone to play in that position. You know, uh, Windass is still out for uh, probably another significant a significant month or two, a significant amount of time because the fixtures do come fast and furious at this level. And I just, like, 60th minute, I'm like, I just kind of want to see the 19-year-old Wolves kid. I don't know if he's any good. I didn't, it was, it's nothing was really coming off. And James, you think some of that might have been the approach play in general? Well, so this is more kind of aspiration than necessarily reality, but one of my biggest bugbears watching Wednesday really since the first car last season is just how long it takes us to turn defense into attack you know how ponderous we can be through midfield and and that's been you know no more obvious than the last couple of seasons but with the wealth of attacking talent that we brought into the squad over the summer um i've got to be realistic and not expect it to all click on day one i just want us to move the ball quicker and be more incisive in getting in behind defences. Because I think if def- you know if teams set up to try and contain Wednesday and we sit on the edge of the box and play to the, the, second, <laughs> the second of three-thirds, Evan, to your point, you know, we can move the ball around the edge of the box all day long, but when it comes back to Barry Bannon, the chances are it's going at least a metre over the crossbar. What I really want us to do is I want us to be moving the ball into the channels quickly and then, you know, getting early crosses into the box and have someone running onto the ball um, I used to have this bugbear with Forestieri that I wanted to play the ball ahead of him into his feet, as opposed to having him running at defences. And you know, I think we've I think we've got to unlock that in this league. You know, we've got the pace. We've certainly got some of the ball players. We need someone who's got the speed to get on the end of that. And um, just a little encouraging thing, I saw a couple of goals that Lee Gregory put in today in uh, I think just a warm up game behind closed doors, and it just suggests that maybe that he can be part of that answer. Um, you know, I don't want to knock Canberry after one performance, as you said, not properly warmed up. Um, and then some of the wingers, you know, potentially can put that pace in as well. So I just think we have to move the ball through through midfield far, far quicker than we have been doing. Yeah, I, t- I heard Lewis Wing's name twice on the broadcast the entire time for 90 minutes, which is not, again, first game. I don't want to, you know, cast aspersions. Like two years ago this time, we thought, you know, that... Uh, Kadeem Harris was going to be our player of the season after one game, so you don't want to you don't want to read too much into this. But I just he needs to be more, I think, uh, impactful in the midfield in that way, sort of both as a distributor and sort of a box to box running at the defense and, and creating space role as well. Um, but yeah, I think Lee Gregory coming in will help. With, I can't believe I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I think Lee Gregory coming in will help with that as well. That's where we are. Um, uh, I thought Jaden Brown was really good when they actually got him uh, the ball on the, on the left. Uh, Andre Green less so. And this was the, the kind of game you would hope that he would be able to sort of put his stamp on a little more than he did. And just the decision-making wasn't quite quick enough. He didn't seem to be super comfortable with how many players were behind the ball when he got it. And like, look, teams are going to do that. Charlton certainly was very well organized at the back. They were coming out and double teaming wingers. They were closing down space well on the flanks. And Wednesday, you know, had trouble creating. They had one shot on target, which to be fair is one more than Charlton had. But these are the kind of games you're really going to need, I think, 
uh, you know, creativity and crossing from the wings. And I thought Jack Hunt put in a couple really nice crosses over the course of the game. We know Palmer is capable of making those kind of runs and crosses as well. He played more of a, a defensive role against Charlton. So cautiously optimistic seems to be the general tone of this segment, just because we haven't been uh, wholly disappointed by Wednesday yet, which it's not ideal, but it's where we are. Well, I think you're you're being yes, okay. Cautiously optimistic's the right term, but uh, I thought Andre Green. I think you're being too kind. <laughs> okay. I thought he was. I thought he was pretty poor, um, clueless at times. There were actually times where he was open on the wing, even in the final third when we were looking for a pass, and and he just got ignored at times. And I think it, I, I don't know. If that's an indication of of the team recognizing he was poor, or maybe. The approach wasn't to send it outside to him anyway, but you're right. Anytime he had the ball, it just seemed like he he didn't know what to do next. Um, I don't remember a single cross from him on the right side. I I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, I I think we we severely lacked um, any sort of threat down the right. Uh, down the left, I think you're right. Um, Jack Hunt's okay. Uh, who else was out there at times? Um, Jaden Brown. Ad- yeah, Adonira Br- intended to freelance in that general area as well. Yeah, yeah. so so decent down that way. But, um, you know, James, you said we need to move the ball quicker uh, through the midfield and, and um, into some channels. I, it's a fair point, but also, and I was going to say this back then, and I, I know I've just said it, but I don't know if we have the consistency in our wingers to really do anything when we get the ball quickly to the outside. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that's the pressure the squad is now going to exert, right? Because in Adenar and in Lewis wing, you've got players who at least from prior experience are good ball carriers. So they ought to be able to exert that pressure. If Andre Green isn't going to do that, he shouldn't be in the starting 11 and, and he did nothing. I think he scored a four in the local press. <laughs> You know, he, um, he he did nothing really to cement his place in that team once we had this squad up to full power. Jeff, you said this was cautiously optimistic, so let's not end on a negative. I want to end on a positive, which was just a little glimpse of how Barry Bannon is going to completely dominate midfields yes. in this league when he decides to turn it on. Whatever it was he did in like the 88th minute where he just basically said, all right, sod this. I'm going to show you all how this game is played and took on the entire Charlton defence and kind of ran it from midfield to in, you know clear into the box. And then put in a shot like only Barry Bannon can, like a daisy cut and right dribbling foot, to be fair. the post. <laughs> there was, the top corner was screaming, Jeff. I know. To be I fair know. about it, but the the passage of play that led to that, the way he skinned two players and then skinned a third one just for the fun of it, it was um, just a little glimpse that, like you know, if if we can get him to really kind of channel his anger into destroying midfields and then slip some balls in behind to people who are better and more adept at finishing. Maybe we have something. I do. I know we're not doing this on a negative note, but the one thing that he did that absolutely drove me nuts is as the captain of the squad in over a passage of play where Wednesday were struggling to get a foothold back in the game early in the second half. He sent, I think it was at an iron through with a great little one touch ball on the counter got clipped late by Sean Clare and then shoved him over to bring the, bring the play back when Wednesday, when Ed Nyron was like, hey, come on, man, you can't do that. You, you're more experienced than that. Like that's just absolutely inexcusable. 
it's poor and there, game he's management. Gonna, he's going to get in, in, um, in yeah, this he's, league. He's going to get kicked. He's going to oh, he's going to get kicked this league. Like they're just going to kick him. He's going to get kicked around the pitch. That said, Jeff, if Sean Flair did that to you, I think <laughs> he, same thing. he was he was he was being a. Um, I'm trying to think of a polite way to put this. He was being an irritating gentleman throughout yes. the course of that game, sure. and he uh, he certainly, I think, deserved what he got. <laughs> um, but to your point, Barry Bannon should be bigger, bolder, better, more experienced, and know when to turn the other cheek. A couple notes I want to make real quick on the match before we get out of here, or before we move on. Number one, it was good to know that we could only make it 43 minutes into the season without <laughs> Hutch getting a yellow card. Um, so Professional foul. For, yeah, props to him for keeping it real. Uh, I also thought the referee, the center referee, was pretty good. But I did notice that the AR on the far side, camera far side, every time it flipped to him, he was he looked knackered. Like he looked <laughs> like he had no business be running up and down the sidelines. So I just want to mention maybe we need to understand moving forward the first couple of weeks of the season, these referees are still trying to get in shape too. Aren't we all? Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna add an, another suffix to this segment. Jeff, you're never gonna get us off this. I'm gonna put a thumbs up and a thumbs down for meetups. So we said last week meetups are back and meetups were back. In New York, we had I think we had ten Wednesday nights, which was more than the New York Foxes who were watching the Community Shield over the other side, and definitely more than the poor um, individual who turned up to watch a uh, a six p.m. or eight p.m. championship kickoff. Birmingham City were beating somebody. I don't know who it was. Um, anyway, so amazing to have you know. In League One, 10 Wednesday nights in New York City to watch this game, uh, including a guy who drove from Virginia for the game just for the fun of it. So that was awesome, Todd, I think. Um, thumbs down. We've got a real beer situation in the football factory in New York. Jack, if you're listening, we need to talk. It's all about your kegs, your casks. At this point, we may need to talk about cans because Saturday did not work from a what-are-you-drinking point of view. So we've got work to do. Everyone's got areas for improvement. On we go. Cautiously optimistic all around. Now we'll take a break. And we come back, cover the Wednesday news, and preview Doncaster and Fleetwood. Welcome back. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. And we're not done with transfers yet. Wednesday have made it a baker's dozen now, I believe. And have gotten some more depth on the wing after we made a point of noting they might need some better wing play in the first half of the show. And it's <laughs> Silla Sow, an out-of-contract uh, Divise winger. James, you're going to have you're gonna have to help us out here. Uh, Wednesday, the Shipwood Wednesday account on Twitter tweeted out, there's a surprise, surprise coming. So what is this reference? You know, it was noted in uh, in one of our WhatsApp threads that this would be a little bit lost on Americans. And all I can say is, lucky you. Um, so 
way back when you've got to cast your mind back to sort of the 1960s here you know kind of before television um back when the world existed in black and white and uh people ate lumps of coal really for nutrition um anyway there was this band called the beatles that knocked around in liverpool and uh, they had this uh, friend um an ar- another artist uh, by the name of Scylla black um who was uh, another liverpudlian Anyway, uh, she had a singing career in the 70s, perhaps not as internationally famous as said aforementioned band by the name of Beatles, Lennon and McCartney, in case you don't know them. Um, but she went on to have an enormously successful career in British television. Um, and she had a, a couple of series, one which kind of probably spawned pretty much all TV dating shows called Blind Date, which is basically when three people sat on a chair and the other person sat on the other side of a screen, had to guess who they were talking to and then pick somebody to go on a date with. The other one was called Surprise, Surprise. Um, and uh, she surprised people, basically. <laughs> but Scylla is, uh, is kind of basically, uh, I was going to say a living legend, except she's dead. Um, it, she's a, 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 a sort of national treasure in Britain, um, mm. despite her, uh, her sad passage. Um, so that's a very long-winded way of saying, when we say Scylla, we think black. Um, and I'll say no more other than that. That's so Sal. I have no idea if he's right-footed or left-footed. Or if that really even matters. Well, it, maybe if we change gears for a second. So, I mean, this sign has come completely out of clear, clear blue sky, right? I mean, yeah, um, free transfer. He was not one we've a, been tracking. Uh, bottom half Eredivisie side, whose name I'm not even going to make a token effort to try to pronounce. It's a. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of W's and a lot of A's. So, RKC Waldwick, Walwijik, Walwick. I thought you weren't going to try. Volvic, Volvic, I think it is. Erksa Volvic? I'm just trying to go off the Wikipedia pronunciation. Uh, seven goals and 48 appearances over the last two seasons. He's 25. Sure. As yeah. I said last week, he's another guy. It's very little, very little information here. <laughs> uh, his first, his debut in the Eredivisie was with uh, FC Utrecht, and he came out as a substitute in the 84th, 81st minute for a Wednesday legend. That would be Erby Emanuelson. Erby Emanuelson? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was about to say that's the Wednesday connection with Utrecht, right? Yeah, Erby Emanuelson. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's hope for his sake that he is more successful and has a more prolific Wednesday career than that it's, particularly successful yeah. player in our history. In not transfer news, but contract news, uh, Josh Windass, after being linked with various moves uh, away from S6 this offseason, has re-signed through 2023. This is good, I think. Like, I'm... This is, this is a good signing. I think yeah, for both it, sides, he's uh, always just seemed happy here, recommitted to the club. And if they do decide to sell him in January or something, they'll get more money. Yeah, it just shows, I, I guess, uh, a new direction with the club. Uh, one of maybe more stability. Uh, to me, it's exciting to see a guy, you know, we're, we're in the midst of all these rumors or maybe they're not even rumors, but, uh, you know, Wednesday failing to pay wages. Right. right. And, um, to see a guy like him comfortable enough to resign through 2023, uh, that that's nice to see. 
uh, especially when our club's just been in utter turmoil for a few years. So anytime you see something like that, in my opinion, it's it's good news and uh, hopefully a positive sign for things to come. Yeah, only, I mean, look, 27 somehow. He, he is younger than you think. And look, it's just good business sense, right? I mean, we already know he has interest. So if we tied him down to a contract, it means we guarantee a fee if we have to sell him or he wants to go or, like you say, he's successful. So all good. Jeff, somehow you've managed to miss a signing. Like, I know last week or the last time I was on, I hadn't listened to a podcast, therefore you'd already covered it. It's not possible for you to have covered this one because it only happened on Saturday. But we also signed Lewis Gibson from... Oh, uh, yeah, from that's right. I forgot. He's on loan from Everton, yeah. I talked to my exactly. Everton friend about him who was very excited for him getting first-team football. So, I think he's a pretty Apparently good he did well. I think he was on loan at Reading last year. Yeah. Um, pretty good re- reports from a, obviously a solid season they had. And he's a left-sided centre-back, which feels right, yes. to an extent the, uh, the void left by um, Tom Lees and his dark, pitiless eyes. <laughs> and he can also play left-back as well, which is a position they need cover at. And they might need cover at it sooner rather than later because this week Nottingham Forest has expressed interest in signing Liam Palmer. I think we have to go to Evan for his immediate reaction to that news. Yes, you read my you read my reaction in the WhatsApp group. <laughs> I am incredibly disappointed, but I love Liam Palmer, and I hope that if he does get bought for a nice fee and that fee can go to to signing some new players and just cementing or cement liam palmer's legacy at sheffield wednesday um i'm disappointed i've got his uh i've got a jersey on my wall to my right signed by liam palmer it says to evan best wishes like he actually i'm sure he knows who i am and and really meant those words and so uh it'll be disappointing to see but who would have thought at some point in our lives, Liam Palmer would be drawing interest in, in possibly a, a pretty big uh, pretty big fee. I think I said in the WhatsApp group, it is amazing that from this era of Sheffield Wednesday, the two players that will actually command reasonable fees on the transfer market are Lucas Joao and Liam Palmer. Liam Palmer, 300, uh, 260, 301 appearances with Sheffield Wednesday, 266 league appearances. Um, yeah, I mean... I I I get it from his point of view. Uh, you know, he started to get fairly significant Scotland call-ups over the last few years, and staying in the championship. And you know, Forrest is a team certainly with you know with aspirations this year. I think it'll keep him sort of in the in the international setup. You know, like look, if you can get championship football when you're on a League One team, that's something that's probably going to be attractive to you. Now, maybe you'll stick around. I know it's not a I don't know what the parameters of the discussion are, but I have no, uh, you know, this is, this is where Wednesday are right now. They have to be able to sell players on for a fee. If there are teams with enough interest to meet a reasonable price and, you know, Liam Palmer, we know Liam Palmer can do a job in the championship. He's certainly improved over the last three or four years uh, and turned himself into a, you know, you know, a regular, a regular squad player for at the championship level. So that's, uh, that's that. We'll see how it plays out. I'm not particularly convinced it's going to happen, but 
it is it is it is newsworthy because it's so rare that one of Wednesday's players uh, peaks this kind of interest in the transfer market. Peaking out our interest this week, uh, James. There have been uh, it's been a, it's been a little a little touchy among the what is it now like sixteen Sheffield Wednesday podcasts. It, it does appear to be Jeff. Um, you know, in, in years to come, you know, maybe a decade hence, when historians write the uh, the book of the twenty twenties, they'll uh, they'll talk about the opening of the decade, the toilet wars, or the toilet wall roll wars, I suppose, that went alongside the pandemic. They'll um, they'll talk about the future. They'll talk about the clone wars. Uh, we all know how those ended. Uh, if you watched the final three episodes of the uh, of the Star Wars saga, or six episodes, however many there were. Um, but now we're going to have to talk about the podcast wars, the Sheffield Wednesday podcast wars. Um, Sixteen gladiatorial teams coming to uh, to try and claim the crown of who is truly the champion podcast of the Sheffield Wednesday fan group, um, which is one of the most nonsensical things you can ever try and I will also imagine, point out right? this, this poll was posted at like 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So j- just in case any of our listeners are wondering what the hell we're blathering on about, let's, let's provide a little bit of context. For some reason, and, and maybe Wednesday fans have never seen this before, one of our fan groups decided to pit other fan groups against each other by trying to have a contest for who's the most popular podcast, which is pretty childish to say the least. But anyway, um, apparently Twitter polls only allow four contestants. So yeah, um, there were three... Enough venerable podcast but that left about 16 others on the table uh, all collapsed into one big category called something else um and when uh, when paddy complained righteously that uh owls americas was being left on the cutting room floor the king of socials uh, the king of socials was put back in his box by the sheffield wednesday supporters club swfc sc um by telling well you're just part of the something else <laughs> big thumbs up emoji well let me tell you something swfc sc where I come from, over in New York, being something else is something of a badge of honor. It means you're a little bit different, a little bit edgy, a little bit more interesting than the rest. Maybe you are the future as opposed to the past. Maybe you're just actually, you know, cutting your own cloth as opposed to following the path cut by others. So all we're saying is thank you very much for calling us something else. And in the meantime, more power to all the elbow of all the amateur podcasters out there who are doing their own thing, carving their own niche, finding their own audience, because there's more than enough room for all of us. So um, honestly, if Wednesday things fans do one thing well, it's fighting amongst each other. The last thing we should be doing right now is holding popularity contests. End of. We'll stick with the socials because we turned out for the socials for some questions for the show. And we got some responses, and we'll answer your questions. From at Sean Ramblings, when is Wednesday going to announce that they signed a Messi? Um, I think at this point it would be tampering, probably. <laughs> uh, unless you want to uh, ferry him away from Paris, France. But it was nice, the moment where he was like a free agent. You could kind of imagine Messi in the midfield. My favorite thing to do is when there's a a player that either gets out of his contract or is rumored to be on the move or want to transfer, a big-time player, There, I always open Facebook and go to Wednesday saying, because <laughs> it, it never fails. There Speaking are of always Wednesday about groups six against each or other. seven, always about six or seven of the exact same posts 
that are a link to the article and could he do a job for us? <laughs> like, no, he couldn't. And also, good joke. I I missed I missed that sense of humor. Um, yeah, Messi, by the way, could do a job for us if anyone's curious, but uh, I don't think he's going to be. Question from Jamie at New Orleans Owl. When is the next national meetup? I've been told in no uncertain terms by uh, one Patty A. Jones that uh, I'm not allowed to mention the national meetup yet. It is not confirmed. All I'm going to say is perhaps keep your calendar open for late March 2022. That's all I'm going to say. And from Stephen Peck, Peck, yeah, 11 on Twitter. <laughs> How many gays? This is, this is such... This is such a Sheffield Wednesday question. How many games should we give this new squad to jail before we get worried? <laughs> More than one, Stephen. But I mean, what's a fair answer here? Because it's a long season. We got Doncaster and Fleetwood Town this week. Like, <sighs> yeah, I think you. I think you watch the trend line. Yeah, and. You want like 12 points from the first eight games, 15 points from the first eight games, something in there? Yeah, I I think you just don't, you know, match six, seven, eight. You don't want to see us losing by two or three goals, you know. Um, I I think it's all all arbitrary, but what I would say was... It's all contingent on them also paying their players and not getting a six-point deduction. Yeah, no kidding. They didn't hesitate to mention that, did they, on the broadcast on ESPN Plus, did they? But... um, yeah, give, give us five or six. Let's see where we're at. Also right. called Callum well, Patterson a Swedish international, which is pretty funny. He's many things, but he's dead. Well, he may have got some Swedish. Um, yes. Anyway, I'm not going to go down the route of enlargers. Uh, let's just simply say that um, I think that it's not just about points. It's about momentum. It's about the performances. Mm-hmm. So, Evan, I like the way you're talking. It's not just we should be thinking about the trend line in terms of is this squad starting to show it can play together? Is it starting to be more creative? Is it um, pushing other teams back as opposed to dwindling in that you know midfield area? Um, are we starting to see signs that we've got reasons to be excited? I won't necessarily measure that in points over the first six games. I think it may take a little bit longer than that, quite frankly, in points terms. I want to see that this project is beginning to gel. Um, that the kind of the mood in the camp is right, that the attitude amongst the players is right, that the style of play suits the formation that they're being set up in, and that the players that you would expect are beginning to form the core eleven. And I do think that trend line is already shaping up nicely early on uh, with things we've already talked about today, right? We looked we looked clean at the back. We had good effort. We moved through the midfield well. Some things to work out up front. Um, Windass signed through 2023, which is a, a good indicator that that the, the locker room, the chemistry, the the overall attitude of the club is starting to look better. Um, and certainly, you know, again, we have to monitor it, but you know, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> one match in, or I guess two matches in, uh, I'm happy where things stand. Yeah. Uh, they have they haven't conceded a goal yet, and if they could do that all season, it won't be a problem. <laughs> so as long as they it'd don't concede nice, any goals, it'd be a yeah. nice season. Yeah. yeah. So let's move on to the next two teams. They're going to try to keep off the score sheet. And we'll start with a home match at Hillsborough against Doncaster Rovers. Is this a derby? 
Absolutely not. <laughs> well, we've gotten that out of the way. Uh, so far this year, uh, I, w- I will point out that since uh, this all this research has been done by Justin, who also could not join us this week. And the only notes he left for me in the WhatsApp group was, just use the information on the preview assholes. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, so far this season, Don Castro has lost 2-1 to Wimbledon, where they looked disjointed but had nine debutantes. Uh, of notes, they have a new manager, it's Richie Wellens who won the 2020 Papa John's Trophy. We'll get our Papa John's Trophy references in every week, whether it's a Papa John's Trophy group stage or a knockout round match or not. He won it with Salford, held the title. This is weird. He held the title for one day as the 2021 title was held the next day and then left by mutual consent after a poor late run. Uh, leading scorer last season, uh, missed the opener with the injury probably out this week, Vijeri Okanaburi. Uh, the other strikers who might take up the mantle with him out are Omar Bagel and Tiago Kukur, who is on loan from Watford and is 18 years old. Also on loan from Watford is their goalkeeper. They, like Wednesday, got a fairly quality uh, premier-level goalkeeper in Pontius Stahlberg, who has certainly uh, been in between the sticks for Watford a fair bit over the last few years. Their back line is a little dodgy. Tom Anderson and Roshan Williams are their, their center-back combo. Uh, Tommy Rowe at left-back can be a creative force, however. Uh, John Bostic, who's a name you might know, anchors their midfield. He's been out with COVID, but did come on as a sub versus Wimbledon. Overall, Wellens likes pretty football. He plays either a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, wants possession and passing, and strikers have flourished under him. So that is something to keep an eye on could be could be some goals in this game see how see how wednesday set up against uh against doncaster at home you'd, you'd hope that they uh are trying to sort of match them with sort of the four two three one or four three three and want to play sort of a attack-minded football and put some pressure on that on that back line you gotta maybe a give me a, like a fun like four two win something like that inject a little excitement into our league one season, which has been so, I mean, they've had one shot on target. Maybe asking for four goals is a little bit, a little bit of a bridge too far, James. But I feel like this could at least be a, a little more exciting than the Charlton game was, which still had the feeling of not a preseason friendly, but team sort of making the transition from the preseason to actual games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, it's, um, it goes back to what we just said. Every game should be a progression over the next. I'm not sure I'd jump from one. And let's be honest, we set a shot on target. It was a looping Liam Palmer header from the edge of the box. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was technically on target, but it wasn't I mean, exactly. No, certainly Bannon's so, shot was more of a of a scoring opportunity than whatever that yes. was. But yeah, but that, that, as we've also said, didn't hit the target. So wh- where I was going with that, Jeff, is I don't think I would jump from one shot on target to four goals scored against Doncaster. But look, hopefully an entertaining game. I mean, it, it's not a derby. Let me be really clear. Sheffield does not consider Doncaster to be a rival, um, although Doncaster certainly has an opposite view on that particular kind of dynamic. Um, but there is a, you know, there's a bit of locality spice to it. Obviously, it's Darren Moore's old club. You know, he'll be, I think, you know, hoping to demonstrate that he's moved on to a career step that's positive. He knows a lot of that team, a lot of that squad. I'm sure there'll be both some positives and um, some downsides to that. They'll know him pretty well in the way he wants to play. 
Um, so look, I'm expecting it to be a pretty tight match, to be perfectly honest. I don't think Wednesday are at the level yet where we can expect them to steamroll a team like Doncaster Rovers, who are pretty savvy at this level, probably underachieved last year. Um, but apparently the COVID thing is actually real for them. They've not just got one player out, but they've got several players who've tested positive this week. So that may actually provide some disruption and it's not something you want to take advantage of. But if Wednesday can and get three points, then that's a good, uh, good way to keep the momentum moving. You say it's not a derby, but God knows I have heard a lot of Doncaster Rovers uh, radio play-by-play on BBC Radio Sheffield <laughs> over the years. It's, it's northeast Sheffield. Look, if you want a quick geography lesson, Sheffield just extends over the M1 in several directions, including Rotherham, Barnsley and Doncaster. They all try and assert themselves. They all claim that they're independent places, but let's be honest, there's one big dog in town. It starts with an S, doesn't end in Lee. So uh, off we go. And off we go to Fleetwood, another game at the venerable Hillsborough. They lost their opener 1-0 at home to Pompey. <laughs> Good build-up play, no finish. Sounds familiar. Uh, of note, this is the fourth iteration of the team. They've gone out of business three previous times. This is the 1997 version. The original is the 1908 version. Fleetwood is a Lancashire town of 26,000. And uh, James, could you shed any light on why they're, why they're called the Cod Army? Cod Army. Well, I mean, I'm going to confess to the fact that um, we were talking about this in the bar on Saturday, and actually most of us expats couldn't actually remember where Fleetwood was <laughs> until I remembered that I once went to a wedding in Fleetwood. It wasn't a wedding of anybody I knew, nor was I. Oh, it wasn't my wedding, just to be really clear. Uh, I was just working there. I got busted in from Sheffield when I was 18. Um, and we had to go through Blackpool to get there. So it's just a little bit north of Blackpool, um, which isn't in itself a testament. I'll come back to that in a second. Cod Army, I assume, is because it's a fishing town. It's on the northwest coast of England. Presumably, there's a little fishing fleet that goes out to the uh, the Irish Sea or maybe out into the North Atlantic and, I guess, catches cod. That's about as good as I can do. Simon Grayson is the manager. He replaced Joey Barton uh, last January. And they released Glenn Whelan after last season. There's a, there's a Sheffield Wednesday connection. Glenn Whelan revenge game. Uh, they are focusing on the youth. They have some decent youth players. Uh, James Hills, 19-year-old center back. Uh, Shaden Morris, Callum Morton, and Gerard Garner are all forwards. The back line is more veterany. Uh, Tony Clark at, at right center back and Danny Andrew at uh, either left back or center back. They played something between a 3-5-2 and a 3-4-3. They do have a Republic of Ireland international, Anthony Pilkington, in their midfield. They play a possession-based game with short passes on the ground. Sounds super exciting. Do we have any other business? This is when I do the meetups, right? I don't know. Patty didn't actually tell me what the uh, what the meetups were for this week, but I assume right, this is something. Let's see if Patty has updated the website. It's owlsamericas.com. Patty, where am I supposed to find the meetups on your website? Hey, Jeff, you know this bit where you read the website sounds for everybody? This is why we don't get into the top three on best podcast yeah, type rating. That's not the most exciting uh, content in the world. Uh, I'm going to assume we're going to be back at the football factory for the New York Owls. Um, this is an iFollow game, I'm pretty sure. So make sure your iFollow subscriptions have been updated. And What is it this year? 170 
dollars or something like that? It's getting a little bit pricey for iFollow, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, be- I believe the plan is for a football factory meetup, although it's summer and free people are out of the city. And also it's the Premier League, so um, right, competition for week, a screen yeah. will become a little bit more intense. League One corner is not as uh, exciting as Championship corner, I suppose. It, look, all I'm saying is last weekend we had Championship corner to ourselves. <laughs> that aforementioned uh, Sheffield United fan to uh, not obviously... Yeah, he just came down to a resounding chorus of booze. So poor guy, what can you do? I feel terrible for him. Well, check Facebook or bug Patty on Twitter at Patty A. Jones or at New York Owls about meetups. Otherwise, you've been listening to episode 144 of the Owls Americas. Find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com and find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesday as Reverend the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls of Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Evan is on Twitter, at Ohio Owl. Evan, how was the ice cream? It was delicious. It was delicious. Hey, by the way, um, I just want to mention that one of the most famous people from Fleetwood uh, you may have heard of him, Dan Forshaw, jazz musician. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Isle. James, what are you what are you looking forward to outside of getting some beer when you're up in Maine? Uh, hopefully, having no signal and not being able to follow the Wednesday. Uh, no, sorry. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, having the time and the time off work to be able to really indulge in my passion for Sheffield Wednesday and read <laughs> up about the impoundments and pending transfers to Nottingham Forest. Um, question for both of you, actually, Jeff. You always ask the questions. I think it's time we asked you a question. Are Fleetwood Mac actually from Fleetwood? Well, no. It was just named after Mick Fleetwood, right? Who was the in the original version of the band, which was actually more of like a. British blues, sixties British blues group before they brought in Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham. You didn't actually answer the question. I, I don't know. No, I think th- he answered it, James. <laughs> I thought it was a more was, elaborate yeah. answer than you were expecting. It, it, it to be frank was. You know, I was kind of hoping for a little bit of obstification as mm-hmm. opposed to a entirely knowledgeable uh, <laughs> exhibition of exactly how Fleetwood might were formed. And they were formed in London, so yeah, it didn't really work. Mick Fleetwood is from uh, Redruth in Cornwall, which is about as far away from Fleetwood as you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. But we'll be back with more rumors and Wednesday news next week. <laughs>